This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now there have been developments in Putin's war against Ukraine. One of them is sad in Dnipro, a Russian missile fired into a residential building has killed many people. 40 bodies have been found, but it's believed that many more people are there, including children, and it is a strike for the Russians. But also is the news that Sergei Sorovkin has been removed as head of the Russian army or the operation, the special operation, as Putin calls it. Uh, he's removed from his position. He was known, of course, as... General Armageddon, he was responsible for Syria in particular, but also for Chechnya. His expertise was in destroying infrastructure, and he has been responsible for the last few months for the attacks Russia have made on Ukrainian infrastructure. He has been replaced by Valery Garisimov, and he will now lead the special operation, special military operation, as it's known. And Sorovkin's removal and significance of it we'll explore in a few minutes because we're joined now by Dmitry Alovsky. Dmitry is chief editor for the YouTube channel Kordakovsky.live. Before the war, he was deputy editor-in-chief for TV Rain in Moscow. But TV Rain had to close down. It was telling too many inconvenient truths, and Dmitry moved to Lithuania and is now, as I said, the chief editor of Kordakovsky.live. Dmitry, thank you very much for joining us. This latest news about Sorovakin and his replacement, what significance does it have in your view? Hello, I'm really, I'm really glad to join you again. Um, Basically, I find uh, this um, um, HR move uh, pretty peculiar uh, because um, I think that um, 
what used to be called in Russia as a, um, a special military operation uh, is not it anymore. I guess they are moving to the war itself. Right. Uh, because um, Gerasimov is a high-ranked general uh, who is, well, in fact, he's the deputy minister of defense in Russia. And uh, that means that um, the military operation uh, is uh, going big these days. Right. It's um, getting more aggressive. And uh, I think that uh, Russian President Putin is looking for more victories because uh, General Srovikin, who was named by somebody, I don't know, uh, General Armagedan, is uh, well known for uh, living in uh, southern Ukrainian city, Kherson. Uh, that move actually was kind of smart, maybe, because it helped him to save Russian soldiers and uh, Russian officers. Uh, but um, in the eyes of the uh, public, um, that meant something like a surrender, because they've lost a very important city. They've lost a um, huge, huge town, actually. And um, I think General Srivikin was responsible for it. Uh, so it helped to save people. It helped to save resources, but um, it had nothing to do with victory. And I think that uh, there should be another person uh, who should come now, these days, and who will be responsible for um, success in Ukraine. But we see that the tactics is uh, not something new that Gerasim has these days. And um, he still reminds us very much about General Srovikin, uh shooting and bombing uh, civilian critical infrastructure of yes. uh, Ukrainian towns. Now, they claim, and there seems to be some agreement, that the town of Solidor is now held by the Russians, although the Ukrainians still say they're fighting there. And the other uh, news we got today is the possibility that Belarus could enter the special military operation, or if your assessment is right, they may declare it now a war if they have the official leader of the of the army in charge. What difference? There's also a, an idea floating out there in the Western media today that Putin may want to try again to take Kiev. And Belarus would be a factor in that if they were willing to enter the war on Russia's side. Mm -hmm. So there are three questions, actually, three points. Uh, let me begin with the first one, Soledad. Uh, this is a pretty tiny town in the eastern Ukraine, not far from large city of Donetsk, which yes. is um, under control of pro-Russian uh, forces and uh, which Russia claims to be its new territory. Um, yeah, I guess it's um, not that um, important for Ukrainians these days. Uh, but, you know, uh, in war, usually uh, the side which attacks, they lose more people than the side which defends. Yes. And um, the Russians, uh, Putin's army is paying very high price for overtaking Solidar, while Ukrainians are still holding it. But I think that Solidar within the next couple of days will become completely Russian. Um, I think, yes, again, it's um, um, it's whole victory. And um, I don't think that uh, Ukraine will, will be very upset about losing this voice. 
But um, speaking of Belarus, secondly, I, I'm almost sure that um, President Lukashenko will try his best not to get involved into this war, because um, I'm sure that his people will never forget about it, never yes. forgive him about it, and they don't have enough resources. Yes. Well, definitely he's a not very nice person, he's a tyrant, and yes. um, he's a dictator, but uh, he's, um, as I can assist it, as, as I can judge, he's trying his best not to be involved in this criminal in this aggressive Putin's war and uh, he's doing his best not not to let his people go to Ukraine to die there and uh, he's ready to uh, assist Russia like from territorial point of view to yes. give them roads and to give them platform to fight Ukrainians but uh, this is it and uh, speaking about Kyiv um, yes we do receive some reports that um, Putin wants to um, to repeat his uh, attack on Kyiv, in which he didn't succeed in uh, late February last year. Yes. Uh, but um, let's, let's spend some time and uh, uh, watch the situation, because um, I'm not sure that uh, he's ready for it. Maybe it might happen, but later this spring, when he will get more human resources, more officers, more guns, more missiles... I don't think that he will be ready for this desperate act sometime in the in the, this winter. Yes, and we also learned today that the British are sending some more tanks. So are the French, and the Germans. Uh, the Germans are trying to make their mind up. The German defense minister uh, resigned today. We don't know why, but it may be that Germany is still holding back still a bit afraid to get really involved the way France and, and Britain have, and of course the United States. But the feeling is that Europe understands the need for tanks and the need to support Ukraine with military hardware now to prepare for what is expected to be a spring offensive by Russia. Um, I think that the tragedy in Dnipro should um, um, accelerate the military help of uh, Europe because uh, we have witnessed a truly unprecedented um, military act of military terrorism, yes. let me call it that way. And um, I think that uh, the Ukraine basically very much needs uh, some anti-aircraft systems yes. which uh, might help to prevent that sort of attacks. But I find it very interesting that um, it looks like, indeed, uh, West is ready to give tanks and even helicopters. Maybe this this summer, I guess. Yes, Western leaders were saying that we are ready to give uh, to Ukraine to Kyiv defensive weapons, but uh, not the attacking one, not the one yes. that, uh, that uh, Kyiv will need to attack. But now I guess the situation is changing, because definitely tanks and helicopters, uh, Apache ones, they are... Not for defense. They are definitely for attack. The perspective in the West now, and it's almost universal in the West, is that Ukraine cannot be defeated. We cannot allow Ukraine to be defeated because it's not just a conflict between Ukraine and Russia. It's a conflict between the free world and the authoritarian world. I mean, when you look at China, 
supporting Russia, Iran supporting Russia, the Saudis supporting Russia. And if Putin were to win, it mm -hmm. would, for example, encourage China to maybe go to Taiwan and try to take Taiwan. So we are fighting here. Um, and I wonder what you think about this idea, Dimitri, that this battle between this w war between Ukraine and Russia is really a battle between the free world of laws and truth and the nightmare world that you have had to live in all your life yeah. mm -hmm. and, and the unfree world, the, the world controlled by strong men and by evil people who uh, deny freedom to their own. Well, frankly speaking, um, the Russia where I used to be the vast majority of my life uh, didn't remind me about that bad guy from the 70s James Bond movies. Yes. Uh, it was a rich and prosperous uh, country with some difficulties, but uh, it was always eager to be a part of the Western world, the democratic world. Yes. And uh, I still remember President Medvedev um, in... Um, Wait, not yet, I guess. He was saying that we will sign soon an agreement with Europe uh, that will cancel visas for Russians to go there. So that was the priorities yes. of the um, Russian government. It's very strange and it's almost uh, unbelievable uh, to imagine it uh, these days. Yes, um, uh, Medvedev, uh, he served one term as president. Correct. And uh, while Putin was preparing to come back. Yes. Uh, was he a puppet? Um, I don't think that even those two guys know the question, don't know <laughs> yeah, okay. the answer to this question. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I think no. I, I, I guess Medvedev tried uh, to, um, to live, uh, to lead his own uh, line. Right. But, uh, he didn't succeed. And uh, speaking about uh, China and other countries, I actually don't see very, much support of uh, China towards Russia. Yes, they do still have some trade relations, some economic relations. Yes. Um, they have some diplomatic relations as well. But I read that uh, recently a new foreign minister in China was appointed. And uh, he's a former uh, Beijing uh, ambassador in Washington, D.C. Okay. Um, that basically doesn't look like China's going to be a good friend of uh, Russia. Uh, yes, there is Iran, definitely. And um, Iran is an outlaw and Russia is an outlaw. So yes. this is why they try to make friends with each other. But uh, I guess China and Beijing, they are they're smart guys. They want uh, to do good trade. They want to have good bargains. And yes. uh, they want to buy cheap Russian gas and oil. And this is what they do, actually. And uh, I think uh, when it will come to political support, to military support in Russia, Beijing will never do that. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, let me ask you about our expectations when this special military operation, as Putin describes it. When this began, the West imposed sanctions, Europe imposed sanctions, the United States and Britain imposed sanctions on Russia. It was said when the sanctions were imposed that this would cripple the Russian economy and that it would happen by now. It hasn't crippled the Russian economy, so that, has, that hasn't worked, correct? Uh, yeah, and uh, I don't know when it will happen because uh, um, you see, Russian economy is pretty strong. Yes, uh, and um, it has uh, lots of um, mechanisms that are situated inside the country. Yes. Uh, so I guess all the sanctions they are not working very well. But from the other hand, we 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 gotta say that uh, economy is pretty strong thing, and uh, all the effects that might. Uh, take place in this field, uh, they need some time. So uh, maybe it's not the time for them. We know that uh, the oil and gas ceiling uh, yes. top price for, right. uh, for yes. selling. Well, now in Europe, as I'm mm-hmm. sure you know, Dimitri, Germany, for example, is not so dependent on Russia now. And other countries as well. They've got some liquid natural gas, I think, from Norway. And the West, uh, the European West, anyway, has adjusted to the oil and gas uh, embargo that Putin was using as a weapon. That, that adjustment has been made. We're also having in Europe a mild winter. It's not so cold. Precisely. Yes. yes. And uh, the funny thing is that uh, winter in Russia this winter in Russia and in Moscow is very severe. Yes, in uh, Moscow, yes. in Saint Peter, in Siberia, and you know there is a joke that um, there is a like so-called um, General Frost who is always helping <laughs> Russians, yes. and okay. now it looks like General Frost has opened friendly fire. <laughs> Let me ask you about the 
the mood of the Russian people, which, of course, you would know more than most. The Russian people, how are they seeing this conflict? Is it NATO and the West attacking Russia? Are NATO and the West the aggressors? And do they support what Putin is doing? Uh, unfortunately, they do support what Putin is doing now. But uh, it's only about uh, propaganda, which is working very good these days. And uh, yes, they do treat it as a war against um, NATO and against uh, the Western world, uh, which is uh, too way and too much liberal for um, for an average uh, Russian, uh, because uh, they... Uh, actually consumed all that uh, myths and legends about uh, um, about uh, like gay propaganda yes about uh, extreme tolerance and about like how it is impossible to live in western world uh, for um, like a, a, a typical uh, christian guy yeah cuz they so, think we they think we're all decadent yeah yeah exactly exactly we, we wish we were. We, we wish we were, Dmitry, but it's not very decadent where, <laughs> where we're living and uh, in, in Ireland. Uh, and uh, I've been to Paris recently, and it's not too decadent there. But I understand that from the perspective of the Russian people, when you see the Western media, yeah, and when you see the television, uh, we see American media or films and you see you see the images and the people it looks decadent and perhaps it is dec decadent but the people have chosen yeah yeah correct and uh, russians are afraid that uh, if uh, like uh, they won't fight ukraine and they won't fight that of these uh they will live under that uh, regime under that uh, mm, severe circumstances when uh, like uh, your kid uh, might decide whether he wants to change his gender, whether yes, he wants to change yes. his sex, and uh, whatever. It's uh, it's unbelievable. And uh, they actually broadcasted twenty four seven through us, like eight or nine years or something like that. And um, I mean, uh, but but Russian people, they are not uh, uh, that barbaric. They are not that cruel, and they are not uh, that evil. And uh, like you know, speaking about nineteenth century, yes, um, the uh, there were some even gay couples in Russia, and uh, they were not punished, they were not discussed, they were not obstructed in any way. Yes, and uh, this is uh, not uh, something that describes my nation, but the period is that it's, it looks like that at the same at, at this time. Now, let me ask you, uh, Dmitri, about your own experiences. You're in Lithuania mm -hmm. and you're running or helping to run Kordakovsky.live. Um, are you reaching many people and how difficult or easy is it? How receptive are the people in Lithuania to what you're doing? Well, we, well basically, we still work for our Russian audience. Yes. And, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, is it dangerous? For the, is it dangerous for you and for them to do this? Um, we feel pretty safe in Europe. We feel pretty safe in uh, Lithuania, and I'm very grateful to this country and to the government that uh, they gave us an opportunity to work here. And 
And this Wendy is an awesome country. I've uh, never felt anything um, hostile here. And I feel like almost at home because uh, people are beautiful. The country, the city, the, the nature is amazing. Yes. And uh, at some points, you know, uh, Russia and Lithuania, uh, they've been developing uh, uh, parallel to each other. And uh, if uh, at some point uh, history would turn another way, I think uh, Vilnius might be the capital of uh, of Russia, yes. not, uh, not Moscow. And uh, Moscow would be like some uh, like center, but not not the capital itself. But I definitely speaking about our work, number job. Uh, people in Russia still need uh, something more than propaganda machine, something more than propaganda bullhorn. And uh, we get very good response for our airs, our programs, our news. And we're going to reach uh, one million of subscribers soon, I guess, on YouTube. Right. And uh, we just started actually basically like um, last February when the war started. So, yeah, this is it. Now, the significance of Sorobakin being removed as head of the army, and the army will now be led by a new general, his name is uh, Valery Geretimov. You were saying earlier that this is a move towards making the special military operation a more official and an, a, a conflict, a war. Is that right? Yes, correct. And um, may I add that there is also another important thing. Uh, Mr. Prigozhin, who is uh, head of private military company Wagner, Yes. And uh, his uh, fellow, uh, his mate, uh, Kadyrov, uh, leader of Chechen Republic. You know, they've been criticizing Gerasimov heavily since the beginning of war. And uh, right. they've been doing like their own stuff, their own campaign in terms of uh, this war. And uh, now I think Putin wanted to let them know that uh, he's still with the Russian official army, not with the private military. Right. And he supports the uh, generals and militaries, not um, the Chechen leader and not that uh, mysterious cook who is the head of Wagner. Yes, and I understand that uh, the Wagner group, they're described, I think, as a Russian paramilitary organization, but they are a private military company. They're mercenaries and it is said in the West by respected media people that they are de facto Putin's private army. Um, I Would you agree with that? It's, I, I don't think that it's that simple because uh, Wagner is uh, huge. And uh, well, speaking about like private army, I think that is something that takes us to ancient Rome, uh, where yes. centurions uh, were obliged to serve... Uh, Caesar and only Caesar. Yes. Uh, what we know about uh, Wagner Group is that basically it's uh, it's a gang of thugs. Yes. And uh, they draft also people who are in prison, who are serving there some um, um, tens of years uh, for uh, murdering, for um, uh, thieves, for for um, uh, sex assault crimes, yes, etc. Et and uh, I know that definitely there are some people who were served, who, who who actually were in Syria, and now actually we can assess Syria as something like a boot camp for yes. Wagner. 
right. where they've been training and uh, afterwards they were ready to go to Ukraine. But I don't think that that people are Putin's army because basically m- many, many of them there are uh, only for uh, their uh, salary, for getting money. Of they course. are paid by uh, Prigozhin, who is actually an, uh, uh, a, a well-known person as the former cook of president. No, I don't think so. Oligarch no. is he's a businessman. He's a business okay. guy. And this guy is uh, doing his business while he used in the 90s. He's close to Putin? Uh, it's hard to say. I think he used to be. But uh, Putin is always putting somebody up and then uh, taking him down. And then he's raising him a little bit again. Okay. Just yeah. to him again in like the week. So this is the balance of uh, his allies and uh, of his crew, I guess. I have a piece of research in front of me, Dmitry, that says that Prigozhin is Putin's chef <laughs> because his, yeah, he, he runs yeah, a restaurant correct. and catering business. They host dinners which Putin has attended with foreign dignitaries who are visiting Russia. Um, I think your uh, listeners uh, might uh, Google uh, Putin, Prigozhin, and George W. Bush, okay. and uh, find amazing yeah. pictures of ah. former Russian, of former American president, Russian yes. president, Mr. Prigozhin, having a lunch somewhere in some nice uh, Saint Petersburg mansion. Yes. and uh, Prigozhin there is holding a menu and uh, recommending some soft drinks um, to George W. Bush and his wife, Laura. It's amazing. The picture yes. is from 2002 or something. There's no pictures of the Donald, is there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, I, I just want to ask you a final uh, question. It's always a pleasure and very, very informative to talk to you, Dimitri. When you look at this in a wider perspective, what, what you are experiencing and your, the, your people and indeed the people of Ukraine and and Europe. Is it difficult to see an end that includes Russia as it used to be? Um, It's uh, it's very heavy. Um, Maybe that's a hard question too. Is it the first time when we speak uh, in the year of uh, 2023? It is, yes. It is, yes. Uh, so, you know, New Year is uh, unbelievably huge in Russia. Yes. it's. I guess it's the main like holiday yes. in, in Russia. And not Christmas, uh, not Easter, uh, nothing else. New Year. And uh, people, uh, like despite of their generation, despite of their age and um, faith, uh, they celebrate it very much. And um, uh, I've been thinking about the upcoming year on the New Year Eve. Yes. And I thought it's very hard to um, wait for uh, some drastic changes in this year because I've been analyzing what's going on and I thought that uh, um, it would take some time. And um, I know that some Ukrainian politicians are um, thinking that uh, the, this year will, be, will bring the end of the war. Uh, I want to be positive very much, yes. but I think that uh, it will definitely happen, but I'm not sure well, whether it will happen in this year. But, you know, understanding of this gives me some sort of strength, and um, it uh, gives me power to accept this, and uh, this is this is what actually gives me hope. 
Yes. Okay, Dmitry, thank you very much for joining us. Dmitry Ilovsky is chief editor for the YouTube channel Kordakovsky.live. And he left Russia because his previous job was with TV Rain. Uh, he was the deputy editor-in-chief and TV Rain had to close down because there was no real freedom of speech. We're grateful to Dimitri and all of you who listened. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.